0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Future of Space. I'm your host, Daniel Fox. Our guest today is Steve Wolf. Steve is the president of Beyond Earth Institute, co-founder of CWSB International, deputy executive director of Global Spaceport Alliance, and author of The Obligation, A Journey to Discover Human Purpose on Earth and in the Cosmos. Steve. Welcome to The Future Space.
1: Hey, Danielle, good, uh, excellent to be here.
0: I'm, um, listen, you and I, we've talked a lot and we can we can go over so many topics. We'll talk about your books. I have read it, I really love it, and I wanna dig deeper into it. But first, before we go there, let's start with your three words that capture the essence of space for you.
1: Yeah, this was an interesting one. Um, Three words, I think I would say, uh, unlimited uh, potential for life. So, you know, I think that's, I think that's what came to me. So that's what I feel. There's so many other ways you could, other words you
0: could use, but that, I think that works for me. Excellent. And beyond, I mean, you know, you read the newspaper and you see all the investments that go on within the space uh, nowadays. A lot of it has to do about science and technology, but beyond that, what do you think for you is the human story of going to space? Well, right. I do
1: think that our, uh, this evolutionary process that we're in to expand beyond this earth into space is very much, uh, very much a human story. Um, you could say a biological story. Um, and that's what has always most intrigued me about um about uh about space flight um it is uh, there are obviously uh, uh positive benefits uh, on the commercial side um but uh but i think it is once we uh, as we expand into space we you know those differences between nations uh, starts to, to fall away we start to put ourselves into a larger context you know we're not just part of a nation or a tribe or even a planet we're part of a much we're part of a a solar system you know and so it, it we just have to think differently about who we
0: are uh, on this earth now the book is like a like a a deep reflection on the responsibility that we have carrying life forward um, it ends with i mean I don't know if there, there are things that you want to, like, you don't want to reveal and you want people to, to, to read the book, but this the the, the, the the writer of the book talks about um, that it came to this realization. And you personally said that you wanted to write the book because it is an experience that you, that you, that you had. Well, I would say that um, it, it is, it is a work of fiction.
1: So we got to be, clear so it's not a it's not, autobiographical. it's not autobiographical although I will say that the 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 it is a it is a, a a thought work in that um I I chose to convey my philosophical ideas in the context of a fictional book uh, similar to you know uh the the uh uh you know zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance if you've read that or the celestine prophecy you know so, uh, these books that are um that tell a story but in the context of that story are conveying uh philosophical principles and so i found those books uh easier to digest and to read and so as i was contemplating this at uh, uh that's that's sort of the approach that i took um The main character is works on Capitol Hill in Washington, DC. And I uh, early in my career, I worked on Capitol Hill. So it's one of these things you kind of write what you know. So that sort of helped in my crafting of the overall structure of the story and so forth. And then uh, and uh, yeah, that's 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 how I approached this work.
0: It's uh, it was a question that was in the back of my mind as I read the book uh, the format of telling a story. And cause I think that, um, one of the, the, one of the most interesting things about the human species. And in fact, I was, I was listening to an interview earlier that I was saying that the two most important, um, uh, inventions of the human species, one is mathematics or the, the, the understanding of, of the more the rational. And then the second is storytelling, right? There's, if we compare ourselves with the animal kingdom, those are really the two things that separates uh, separates us from from the animal kingdom: our capacity to rationalize and 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 quantify the the, the the life around us, and then the other one is storytelling, creating these things that have no other purpose than to transmit information in the more emotional or connected uh, way. And so, was that a really an a, like a purposeful intent of you to transmit? The, the 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 thoughts that you had within the context of a story. There's a love story in, you know, in the in the book that just is there to enrich the the experience, um, but you know, it doesn't add to the message of the book, but it's just a, a, a better experience, right? Well, you know, it's interesting. The love story in
1: that, um and and you're right about uh, you know, storytelling we we like to tell stories. People like to to listen to a story that has a beginning, middle, and end, and has a and has a, a satisfying ending. Um, I actually chose the love story uh, or added a love story to this because of the um, because the love interest for the fellow in the book represented. Um, I wanted her to represent. The environmental position, right? So she was an environmentalist, and he was working in this sp- and space policy. And I, it, it, and I, and I really, it was I used her intentionally to try to bring in that um, that perspective, and to have a dialogue around that perspective because there's so much, and, and as you know, there's so much uh, uh, discussion in the space community. Well, why do we want to go into space when the earth needs so much healing and we're, or we're just junking up the earth and we're going to leave earth behind to go out into outer space. You know, these kinds of, of, um, conversations, which you and I wholeheartedly disagree with that we're, that, that we both want to save the planet. We want to nurture the planet, even as we look to expand beyond this planet. And so so that's really what, you know, you're right. I, I, in, in some ways, you could look at that and say, well, you know, did he really need to have a, a, a love interest or, or partner? I think uh, I, I n- not not necessarily just in and of itself, but he, he needed to have somebody in the story who served that part. And, and in my mind, it made perfect sense uh, for that to be a love interest.
0: I mean that is the the human experience. This is what you see in all the movies. It's that these all these ingredients that we can connect to that because we're not you know we're not machines. We're not. It's not just a question of putting inputs and then here you have the output. It's really this this bag of like it's like a recipe. Like it's a it's a it's a dish with all these spices and love is part of it. And that what people can resonate is that when you when you said that the book was semi-biographical, was that also part? Was that element of that woman part of that? That something that was connected to you? No,
1: no. Uh, and when yeah, the only um, the only thing I'll say about the um, the auto, I would say that really nothing in the book is 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 really autobiographical. Uh, I might have picked, um, you know, Washington scenes from here and there to sort of um, that I, that 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 helped to uh, give structure to the the story. But uh, yeah, no, this the, it, 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 she was uh, she was fictional. Uh, maybe maybe bits and pieces from uh, some 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 acquaintances I might have had over the years. But uh, uh, so, uh, but it, it, it is. Um, but it is so important i think you know, one of the things as we were, as we were talking about this you know an important dimension of the book is this is this pairing right the yin yang pairing of things in the universe right so there's there's a sense of balance and i think that i like to think that the main character and and this partner of his represents that kind of a balance between um and again we and I, what and, and in the book i call this a twin obligation so the The main obligation in the book that I'm talking about is our obligation as, as a species to take the seeds of life that emerged on this planet and take those seeds and plant them on other planetary shores so that they could take root, right? So we're the, that's, that's our role. That's our, that's our evolutionary obligation. Um, but then we have another twin obligation and that is to restore and nurture this planet that gave us life right so this it's this it's this balance and some of us are going to choose to 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 leave this leave the world right and start new new civilizations but but many of us will choose to stay here and restore this planet to to its some kind of a garden's state that it, that it once was not not in the same way, of course, but in, in, in the context in the context of evolved, mature um, technologies that are clean and, and so forth. Um, and I think that's, that, that's the way that's the way it should be. Um, and uh, it really right now we're in a sense of uh, we're in this moment of this tremendous tension because there's this urge to leave this planet, right? Some of us, you feel this urge, I feel this urge. Many people in the space community feel this urge, and uh, we're not quite there yet, right? <laughs> like we're 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 at such a state of um, uh, uh such a state of, uh, of of a desire to wanting to make that that break from the planet, but we're still literally decades away. But I think through the work that you're doing and, 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 and people throughout the um, throughout the the space community. Um, hopefully, within a few decades, uh, we'll st- we'll start to see those those first those first pieces of civilization taking root on other planetary shores, whether it's Mars or ruined free space and the asteroid belt and so forth. And once we get to that that stage, then there's this release, there's a relief, I should say, with this sort of natural. We start to see this sort of natural relief and 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 the world can start to see itself more comfortably in the context of a solar system not just a a single precious pearl um you know vulnerable to to everything but now we have the potential to to uh uh, to restore the planet we have resources to restore the planet it's 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 we're not all essentially (laughs) civilization isn't all in
0: one basket. No, absolutely. And, and you're totally right. I mean, we're, we are still quite far away from living in space and having these colonies. And to be honest, I'm not too sure that I will see, that will still be alive to see that, to see the, 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 our vision of it. I think what, what happened in, in 2021 or 2020 for most of the people. That space became just a, a reality, and now we know we can do it. We know that this is the next place, and so it's just at the beginning. But there's still a humongous period of transition or or expansion. You know, if we go back into the age of exploration, the European uh, you know migration between the first European, the Lenin, and the Bahamas, and you know whatever happened happened. But between that and let's say the 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 foundation of the United States, there was a long, long time of development and, and roughing you know, roughing the, the, the roughing it. Is. So the the space is that next frontier, that new land of opportunity, the place where at one point there's gonna be a new body of governments that will that will be built on the vision that we have. But there's a lot of stuff that are gonna happen. There's a lot of tension. There's a lot of disruptions that are gonna happen, you know, in between. But there's definitely this, I was interviewing Helen Hubby the other day from Exploration um, Company and she was, you know, for three words to describe space, her her first word was team. And I really, I mean, a lot of people have been talking about it's impossible to go to space without doing it with other people. This is not something that you just, you know you step out and said i'm going to be not like a being a sort of wilderness explorer where you can just get into your car and you go and it's like i do it by myself space requires the input and the collaboration of a multitude of of, of parties i mean we just saw what james Webb, you know was able to, to accomplish all these countries that they that got together absolutely amazing but It's, I love that in your book, you talk about, it's obviously that this duality between these two poles of energy and you define them by the feminine and the masculine, not necessarily because they're men and women, it's just a different energy, like the yin and the yang. And I think that for me, I've always seen life and nature as this constant um, dance between two poles. That And that is, what creates the tension right the, the the heart is always between two states and it's a contraction that creates the tension and creates life and you know it takes two to well still today it takes two two different energy to create life and the the more they complement each other and even in, in your book you talk about you know the well in the you have the, the the wanderer the inventor the visionary and the conscious explorer which are more the masculine the one that the risks and goes and then you have the settler the builder the protector you don't go into the last one which kind of curious what would be the, the complementary to the conscious explorer are you would would you care to uh, to uh to to uh, share your your, uh, your mind on that
1: oh yes i i've been working on um uh gosh you know i've I've been working on uh the sequel to that and I know that I sort of tease that there's uh, there's a on the book I cover seven endowments right and so then I tease that there's there's an eighth endowment um and uh and just to uh just to to, to bring folks up to speed what what i what I postulate or what I convey in the book that is that there are certain um, endowments that we humans have been given that, that have not only allowed us to live and thrive and evolve, you know, develop over these 100,000 years or so, um, but these were the very set of endowments that allowed us to get to where we are as spacefaring, as, as a spacefaring civilization. These are the tools that we needed so that we could construct the ships. Or seed pods, as I call them, to tarry the seeds of life into space, and, and so forth. Um, and, and as you mentioned, it was the wanderer, the builder, the inventor, the protector, and so forth. Uh, and then I felt, uh, uh, but then the uh, the other one is the you know we 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 those the first six endowments get us to a certain point, but sort of breaking that veil, ba- breaking that 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 last bit to get us from. Where we are as, a, as an advanced technological civilization, to get us to making that last step to to, to stepping off the planet required something called a, a conscious evolver. Meaning that we had to, and that's where this speaks to what you just said, Daniel. We have to consciously, uh, we have to consciously make this step. Um, it's not an easy one, and it's not an obvious one. It's not necessarily intuitive, even though we may be feeling it. And of course, it, it is something that you can't not just one person or a small group of people need to do. We kind of need to do it uh, collectively as a collective society and be confident about that, so we can so that we can organize the resources that are available, right, in order to make that happen. Because it's not insignificant. So we have to be so we have to consciously evolve into the future. And then the um, the last the, the last endowment which, um, or I shouldn't say the last endowment because the endowments, I don't know, in the evolution of mankind, we have no idea what's what we're going to be, you know, 10,000 years from now, you know, in terms of what, you know, what is going to make us us in terms of our, you know, the endowments that we're going to be applying to, to life in, in space and on earth. Um, but I think the, well, there's only one. Uh, there's only one endowment that I see for the eighth endowment, um, and of course, you know, everything has to be understood as, as these are contem- result of contemplations of my own. Everyone has their own contemplations and and so forth. Um, so, uh, but the eighth endowment is something that I I call um, the ongoingness right, is it's a, it's a recognition that we, of what we need to do over a long, over deep history, right, Uh, of a thousand years or greater. And what, what do we need to do? Who do we need to do in this moment to ensure the ongoingness of our life, right? So it's really about truly truly having a, a, a much longer horizon for our, our existence. And it's 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 related to again, it's the it's related to the, the protector, right? The protector endowment is about how do we take? How do we make sure everybody is safe? Right? How do we protect people? How do we protect ourselves from the asteroid that's going to hit us? Right? Um, and there's a certain immediacy about that. But the ongoingness, you know, anticipates this sort of deep future. Um, and anyway, I, I just put that out there. It's an interesting. It's, it's an interesting discussion. Other people have said, well, what about this endowment? Or what about that endowment? And I I love those conversations
0: as well. Now, but I think that the, the, the eighth endowment on the on the feminine settler, builder, protector is really the, the one where the understanding of, of seeding life, you know, when the, the, the conscious explorer, where it continues and where the, the settler builder protector is more connected to the first obligation that you have in the book, which the first obligation is about us and the
1: environment. Yeah, the first, obli- right, there's, there's, right, the three obligations, the first obligation
0: is about about um, about right. It's about us taking care of each other. Us, our, our own survival and then the twin obligation one is to our environment and then the other obligation is to life to life continuing the 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 expansion of life and i think that the eight endowments the fourth no the seventh and the eighth i guess are more connected to the the twin obligation that is concerned about life
1: Right, I, I would say that because they, like I said, and in, in, like I say in the book, it's it's switching the the seventh endowment switches from more from the me, and to the we, right? So we we and 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 this is nothing new. I mean, a lot of people talk about this in terms of consciousness, evolving consciousness that we we ultimately need to think of our think uh, in terms of we instead of just. Just take care of me, or me and mine, you know, uh, and what I have. I'm protecting me and mine. I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about, um, I'm, I'm concerned about uh, my entire community, or entire, or, or the world family, and so forth. So, it could, if you could imagine if everybody in the world was concerned about every about the welfare of every other person in the world, you know, it'd be it would be a different place. <laughs> it'd be a totally different place, right? I'm not sure what that would look like, but it would be a lot different.
0: And this is where Grant, the, the character in, the, um, in your book, goes that as we move to the we and into space, then there's going to be a better equilibrium. And where are the places, I, I don't entirely disagree, but my, from, from my perspective, is that is one swing of the pendulum. Right, they're, they're, it's it works for a certain time until it becomes too cumbersome. Into the we, I mean, we know we know of different cultures, like in the Japanese culture, where it's too much about the we, not enough about the individual. And one of the attractions of the 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 industrial world in America was that now it was putting the I first. It was giving the opportunity for innovation at the expense of the we. And now we're going, we're getting to that other extreme. And where now the I has become more of a, it's becoming, you know, a little bit more dangerous. We need to be reminded of the we until there's this, again, this constant move between these two poles, these two energies. But there's never a point where you're in perfect alignment and then there is phase because then it doesn't, it wouldn't go anywhere after that, right?
1: Yeah, no, it's interesting. I don't really, I'm not really thinking of this in a geopolitical uh, 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 context, um, because certainly, <laughs> certainly communism, you know, is, a, is a failed, uh, in many ways, a failed, uh, uh, experiment. Um, and, uh, so, uh, it's really, um, it's really, a, a more of a, a, social, uh, or orientation, but, um, but I do think, you know, Hey, listen, I mean, I, I, one of my favorite shows is the expanse, right? So. Um, And we know that uh, (laughs) in the in the world of the expanse, uh, you know, uh, people are are just as um, just as dysfunctional (laughs) as they are here on Earth. And so, yeah, we 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 want to be careful not to uh, presume that just because you're going into space, you're going to have, you know, these these expansive, uh, you know, your consciousness is going to be awakened and so forth. And, uh, and we even know that from the astronauts, you know, there's a lot of talk about, I'm sure you're familiar with the uh, overview effect, Frank White's uh, overview effect, and some astronauts that have had uh, tremendously uh, transcendent peak experiences um, looking down at Earth uh, and, uh, and the beauty of it. Um, and other astronauts were like, you know what? it was really nice but i had a lot of work to do up there and you know and that didn't feel you know uh, they thought it was beautiful but they didn't necessarily have any kind of tra- they weren't transformed in, in any particular way um so you know uh, so we have to that that's a that's a reality as we move up up there and in terms of the and in terms of the arc of human uh, the evolution of human consciousness um, you know, how, how that's going to continue to evolve. evolve um, you know, that that's, that's an open question as well. Right. So, um,
0: uh, yeah, so I wrote, you're talking about seeds, you know, seeds of life going um, out to, to outer space, through us, as we carry them. I wrote this piece on the future space, uh, called mycelium and rockets. It was back in, I think a year ago when the entire conversation after, uh, the Jeff Bezos and, and, um, Elon Musk, uh, building their giant rockets and all the, the, the parallels that people wanted to, to make it about comparing big, whatever it is. But the, I watched the documentary about, uh, mushrooms on Netflix with Paul Stamet and the, the the insight that I had was, it was amazing how every time life needs to seed something, whether it's from sperms or mushrooms or spores, it always has the typical same shape, which is, you know, it's kind of a tube. And then you have this bulb at the top and I was making the parallel that now we're not, we're not reinventing the wheel. We're not doing anything different. We're still going to be seeding life, but beyond the planet and the the, the the physicality of that tool is the same, whether it's biologic or whether it's technology, but it's the same kind of shape. And when it comes to seeding life, nature somehow has figured out that this is the most
1: logical. You're talking about the shape of a rocket, for example. Yeah. That's,
0: a, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, I think, you know, I, I think that's worth exploring, obviously. Um, much has been said about uh, Jeff Bezos's rocket I uh, and uh, what it looks like, but um, I, I, I think I think that there could be a, uh, you know, I'd like to think there'd be a, a serious conversation around that because embedded and and I and I have a series of slides where you know uh, where we talk about the evolution of uh, our uh, of uh, different. Uh, civilizations throughout time have been intrigued or interested in, in creating these monoliths, these, these, I, whether it's a tower or whether it's um, uh, uh, some kind of a large um, standing uh, structure that, that goes higher and higher or as high as their capability could do it, whether it's a, a, a cathedral or a pyramid or a skyscraper, right So there is this in implicit or inherent desire to build these sort of tall structures that reach up to the heaven right So now we, re, we now we're building these super tall structures that are able to not only reach up to the heaven but actually take off into the heaven themselves and and I would say that that, uh, and again, getting if if you sort of follow my my line of, of of logic, that the humankind with our endowments sort of came into existence for for this purpose. Maybe not this is maybe not this is our only purpose, but from a planetary standpoint, you know, we came to for this purpose so that at every stage in our development, especially collectively as civilizations and so forth um we have organized our the resources and had this strange desire to create these um these obelisks or these uh these structures that reach up to the heaven over and over and over again and uh, I, I just don't think that there's any um i don't think that it's it's an accident you know, I think that it is something that was is part of us and that has been part and parcel of this whole, you know, like I said, a 50,000 year process that has gotten uh, helped us get to the point where we're we're a spacefaring civilization.
0: There's a there's a conversation I often have with people. And, and one of the arguments that, that keeps coming back is like, oh, no, we we can't. We can't go and, and and create more cities and other places. We have to, to manage our own first. And the, the place where I find myself going is we have to, to think of all these new people who will inhabit these new frontier, these new places. Not doing so would be robbing their future in the same way that if we had applied this mindset of like, no, we cannot go anywhere because of this and that. Most of us wouldn't be here today. Like if we had decided like, oh no, we all live in the same village in Africa, or we all gonna stay in Europe because why, it, would be, it would be awful to go to North America and not to do anything. Well, that would be, I mean, we wouldn't be here talking about that. We wouldn't even exist. And I think that it's it's a really selfish argument and not thinking of like, well, there's gonna be an entire future of people that are working, that are gonna be at the place where they look back and they say, thank you for these people who risked everything to go and create these new land, you know, new land of opportunities, the new, these new cities and elevated the human experience because I am there because of them in the same way that I exist today, because of all the others to, before me who pushed the boundaries. I mean,
1: what do you think about about that? Yeah, no, no. I, I well, you you are speaking to. I think one of the things I brought up in the book is this this whole this whole notion of uh, in, planetary inertia, right? So we there is this this like tension of a lot of people that don't, you know, no, no, we have to stay here, you know. And I think that's also, uh, and and that to a certain extent that 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 is that is maybe a useful impulse. Um, so. Uh, but it's always been, you know, we are fundamentally uh, a migratory species, right? <laughs> More than any other species, because we we managed to migrate migrate to every every corner of the of the livable planet. Um, <clears throat> but probably at each stage, now you're talking about going from Europe to the to the New World during the during the period of of, of discovery, uh, you know. But let, let's face it: for the last fifty thousand years, hundred thousand years or so. Uh, we've been uh, migrating from one region to the next, and, and I and I bet you dollars to donuts every time somebody said, "You know what? I am going to get together my little group here. And we're going to go up to this this next place." You know, there were people in their village that said, "No, no, 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 don't do that. You got to stay here because we need you here, and we, we, you know, and we need your help here. We, you know, if you go away, you are not going to be helping us. And you know, yeah, you may find new new land, uh, new new." Uh, Places to harvest or new hunting grounds, but you know you have to help us restore our hunting grounds here. <laughs> you know those kinds of logic, and I think that's probably uh, it's it, it, it's it's probably something that's been repeated a thousand times, and that's certainly going to be repeated now. And I think, um, uh, but you know, as long as there are people that desire to make that that transition uh, into space, you know, there's, it's going to be a small group of people. Now, when I say small, maybe, you know, initially, you know, tens of thousands, um, uh, you know, again, once we start getting a bit of a foothold there. Um, but I think sort of like you're sort of like the United States, um, where, you know, uh, it was a big, initially it was a big deal, you know, in, in, in in the the, the 15th, in the 16th century, it was a big deal to get on a ship and come to the new world and, and settle here. Um, but by the 19th century, um, you know, coming to the new world was relatively easy because, you know, infrastructure was established, cities were established, was thriving. There was clear paths to opportunity and so forth. I think once the, um, I think a similar thing will happen once you know once these communities in space are firmly established um, and the opportunities are identified and clear and it's relatively uh, it's relatively safe uh, to to travel to space and back and and uh, I, I think you'll you'll start seeing it, it'll be a it'll be like the United States was i guess the golden mountain you know it was called by the chinese uh it was it was um sort of a destination for people who were looking to make a new life for themselves maybe then didn't, didn't have as much opportunities where they were um i like to think that that it, it'll have that draw on uh, on on future generations who will say i want to i want to do something i want to do something significant you know uh back in the day it was my when i was when i graduated from college my father sent me a note and all he wrote on it was go west young man <laughs> you know which is that goes back to the 19th century right where, where that was where your fortune was going to be made um and i think for the folks who you know folks who remain here that's fine too i mean obviously not everybody left europe europe is doing great you know and and frankly <laughs> a lot of the wealth that they were able to create was was a result of um Result of the of the settlements, you know, and then of course, you know, you obviously you're bringing, you know, hopefully you you you, you what you don't want to repeat is, you know, the 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 kinds of um, um, uh, kind of atrocities that were wrought upon Indigenous people and so forth, and so um, you know, we just have to be, you know, hopefully we're going forward with a more mindful um, attitude about uh, about who we are.
0: Well, I mean, you know, it's the more the conscious explorer or there's an understanding of consequences that maybe were not that evident in the wanderer and the inventor or at the beginning where you just, you know, there's a righteousness to it about. But there's, you know, I want to go back a little bit to, you know, you're saying the human species is migratory species. I think that, that life is by definition migratory. You look at every species you know they're, they're birds that literally go from the south pole to the north pole just to give birth and they follow the the food source or you know make sure that they protect but i think that what the human species has done is add up the engineering aspect of of that mobility and you know the the, the sense of of going to places to reinvent yourself the opportunity i mean it's not just a new continent. I mean, it, it happens in cities, you know, the going to New York or going to L.A. or going to the West, like your father said, so that you can reinvent yourself. Those are the places where you can do that. Obviously, if everybody did that, the, the world would not work either. If, if every single person chose to be an entrepreneur, either like the world would not work. You need entrepreneurs, but you need the workforce and you need people like it's a, you need a spectrum, a diversity of talent and skills and personalities. You need, you know, you need the, 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 the masculine energy and the feminine energy, you know, even within the same sex couple, you still have those different energies that, 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 that work together and going, moving beyond. It's not, it's not just because now, like we want to go over there, just that now we have the tools to continue that life expansion and to, to take it. So when I every time that I hear the arguments like, no, we cannot if we see a planet and it's barren, it's better to leave it barren. And I'm like, there's absolutely no benefit for life to venture to, to venture into the universe or to develop the complexity, to invest billions of years in developing in complexity so that you can get the tools to move and 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 export that that life and that knowledge so that you can leave the barren places alone and say i mean we might we might decide to choose a certain planet more for their their beauty you know for their conservation aspect because they're not necessarily the best place to live but in terms of leaving the universe barren just because we don't want to contaminate it i think for me it just goes against just the way that life works and and and, and doesn't And life to, not that i want to give life a personality but life is not interested in leaving the universe blank you know and barren right
1: yeah no it's interesting i mean at the um um you yeah, species you know uh, i don't know what the numbers are but there are hundreds of species come into existence and go out of existence through no uh, no effort uh, on, on the part of, of, uh, of humans. Uh, although humans are having quite a, quite a big impact on the, uh, on, on, on species going extinct. I think there is a, um, you know, I think that there does have to be a bit of a balance, especially with Mars. You know, there's a good chance we're going to find, we're well, certainly a good chance. We're going to find evidence of, of former life on mars and may even find existing life on mars and this all gets back to the question of how ubiquitous is life in in the universe obviously if we find microbial life on mars that would that would be huge because that would mean that the, the universe is teeming with life um and i respect that you know i i i actually i i really do respect that attitude that we have to be um uh, mindful of that, um, but I do think that has to be um, a balance. Um, it, it, you know, some some purists will say, "Well, if there's one, you know, if there's if there's one microbe on Mars, then Mars should be off limits for human occupation." Well, you know, I I I, I think that there's a balance, uh, you know, um, in that you know, we I I think that we can go to Mars. And uh, I think that is a place for us um, to begin this process of expanding civilization out beyond beyond Earth. Um, There are other options, certainly, you know, you can mine the asteroids, and you can construct, you know, O'Neill type floating habitats that rotate and create artificial gravity and there are certainly proponents that recommend that that um, that option. You know, and if we went that way, and we got really good at, at building those habitats, and you know, some you know, some of the earlier designs by by Gerard O'Neill and folks don't know who he is. I I definitely recommend you looking him up. You know, he's he's talking about floating habitats that that cylindrical in nature that rotate, creating artificial gravity where ten thousand people could live or more. And that's certainly Jeff Bezos is a, is a, is a big proponent of that, of that direction. Um, You know, so it, it, you know, I think we just need to be mindful. I think that uh, we need to set up base camps on the moon. We need to set up camps on, on Mars. We need to get, um, uh, become familiar with those terrains. And then, um, and then as those, communities expand and evolve over time and populations grow in those locations. Um, you know, we just need to be mindful of the become more and more mindful of what what life what life might be there. And, and wouldn't that be exciting
0: if there was, you know, so uh, some some to be seen. Well, now with James Webb, would we just bring us new photos of billions and Billions of worlds. It's just, it's. Oh my God!
1: It's just, I. It's just blows your mind. You look into those, into those pictures, and you keep expanding them, uh, and you see the detail in each little, each little blob is like an entire galaxy. It's just, uh, it's just astounding, and I think bringing that up, especially in terms of the prospects for us to travel to exoplanets or planets beyond our solar system. You know that's one of the um, uh, you know that's one of the passions of uh, Pete Warden, who's one of our advisors of the Beyond Earth Institute, um, trying to identify these these worlds, um, trying to trying to construct the craft, the craft that could actually travel the distant that those kinds of distances. Um, you know that's a multi generation. I shouldn't say that. That's probably. Um, at a minimum, a 100-year uh, objective. You know, um, you know, it's just going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I think the Moon and Mars w- are going to provide the first initial test beds for us to gain to gain foothold and understand what it's going to take to live and work in space and so forth. Um, but uh, but other opportunities are going to come on uh, very quickly, uh, especially as we gain that foothold and 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 once we once we have a means by which we can construct things in, in once we can actually could do, do have an industry in space that can not only serve the earth, but, but serves, uh, this, the, the space, uh, community, uh, then I think things will happen very rapidly. Earlier you talked about, you know, the, the amount of time that it took from the first landing of, uh, Columbus to say the founding of the United States. And, uh, you know, yeah, that was, what was that? 100, 200, 200 years, 250 years, about thereabouts, a little bit longer.
0: Yeah, Columbus was 15, Columbus was 15 something.
1: So, I mean, if you compare, I mean, you could, yeah, you, you, I mean, say if you said, say you, if you said Sputnik was the starting point. All right. So we're 60, you know, whatever, 60 or 70 years in. And, um, uh, and, and that's kind of, um, yeah, that's, that's probably not a bad benchmark. Uh, it's going to take us, decades. it's going to take us decades to get to a place where, where we have a meaningful, significant habitat. That's maybe housing a, a substantial population, 50 people, hundred people, that sort of thing, you know? Um, but, uh, but, but you're right. It's, it's, it's a process. And, that, and that's why, you know, again, you get back to this, 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 Question of teams is, is very important because it does require this sort of sustained effort and commitment by government, by individuals, uh, by by engineers and stuff to kind of stay on stay stay on track because it does it, it will take decades to to unfold and of course we have you know people insist that we have uh, that each step pays for itself in some economic way so that we can kind of bootstrap you know, the next round of innovations and so forth. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an exciting, it's, it's an exciting future. And I do think that, you know, getting back to the evolutionary impulse in that feeling like, you know, whatever happens, you know, we, we, we feel the impulse to want to move forward. And I like to say that we, you know, we, we have this desire to move forward in space. And then we sort of, back out of that to come up with the reasons why we should be doing it that maybe might make practical sense, but, you know, maybe it doesn't, maybe it isn't necessarily practical other than, um, other than people feeling a passion to do it. I mean, I don't think, I think, I don't think people are passionate about wanting to go in space because they want to make a lot of money. I mean, I think maybe some people are, but I think most people are in the game, you know, see it as, uh, have a much bigger, the view of why we're doing
0: it. Well, I think Sputnik might be more compared to when the Vikings, well, there are theories of the Vikings were the first one to set foot, you know, on the, or the, the but then, and now here we are. Um, Steve, if people wanna get the obligation, where can they get it?
1: So they can go, uh, they can go to uh, Amazon, Com, you know, they can go to Amazon.com uh, and it's the obligation. Uh, just type in my name and the obligation. Um, let's see. The That's really that's really the best thing. I mean, my, I don't know if you can provide people my email. I'm happy to. Um,
0: yes, well, we'll put the links to your book and to Beyond Earth Institute and to make sure because you're also on Twitter and on LinkedIn because we want to make sure that they have access if they want to reach out to you. And also believe, um, do you want to say anything about October? Um, because I know that your Beyond Earth is working on something. Is there anything that you can share on that?
1: Yeah, no, I think uh we yes, thank you so much. So, you know, my I, I, I am the president of the Beyond Earth Institute. And we're having a policy uh symposium, a Beyond Earth Symposium, our inaugural event in October thirteenth in Washington, DC. Um, I would just say that com- come to uh, beyondearth.org and details will be available there. Um, and, uh, and, if, um, and we are actually in the process of loading that information up. If you don't see that, certainly just put your name, uh, and just send us a note via the, the contact page and we'll keep you in the loop about that. That's gonna be very exciting. And certainly include my, uh, my email as well, Daniel. Um, people wanna contact me directly. And that's at Steve. I'm just simply Steve at BeyondEarth.org, and I'd love to hear from anyone about the uh, Beyond Earth Institute or the uh, or the book, the Obligation. So, love to hear from you.
0: Recommend it for anyone. It's a really nice read. Through, you know, you can do that over the weekend, and uh, it makes you think, which is usually the, the best thing about books. And uh, Steve, I think I'm going to see you in October in Washington, D.C. I'm really looking forward. Can't wait. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll do another one of those uh, fairly soon. So until then, take good care. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel.